those of you who weren't with us when we started the show three hours ago, where have you been? Don't tell me sleeping. That's not fair. That makes me jealous. <laughs> no, my sleep is coming soon. Generally, I'm in bed. Oh, gosh. Well, in bed and sleeping are two different things. But generally, I'm in bed two and a half hours after the show ends. So it won't be long. Uh, on days when I'm really tired, I fall asleep the first sentence of my book. <laughs> like My head nods. You know, when you're sitting straight up, you're, you're on a plane and you can feel your head nodding. So my eyes will close after reading a sentence on mornings when I'm extremely tired and I'll feel my head nod. And there are times, actually, I can neither confirm nor deny, but maybe, just maybe there have been times when my head has nodded and smacked the book. Maybe. Now, see, this is why there should never, ever, ever be cameras of, of our own families and homes this is why i would i still think the person who leaked the video of practice for the warriors should be fired you leaked video that embarrassed your own family and no there's really not any parallels between my head hitting the book and draymond punching a teammate but i still think that person did his franchise and his employer and certainly himself or herself a disservice it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. Kind of cool that FS1 is replaying its postseason games over uh, the course of our show. Actually, they just finished replaying Braves and Phillies, which started a lot later than it intended. I bet Major League Baseball was ticked because then they had to have two playoff games on at the same exact time. Not thrilled. Um, but Fox had one, and then FS1 had the other. And now FS1 has just started replaying Padres and Dodgers. And before it was even... 12 pitches old, Manny Machado had already blasted a home run off Clayton Kershaw. Uh, so it was NL on stage last night, and it will be the American League that takes center stage tonight. Though in New York, there is expected to be a boatload of rain, as in enough rain that you're going to need a boat. And so we're not sure whether or not that game at Yankee Stadium is actually going to take place. Uh, their contingency plan is... Well, it's it's complicated and it's not helpful. So we'll just wait and see what happens. But I do know all of the weather reports uh, that I've heard and, and I drive into work and listen to uh, the news radio in, in New York City or coming out of New York City. Uh, they All of their forecasts revolve around whether or not the Yankees will be able to get their playoff game in <laughs> on Thursday evening. They've been doing that for a couple of days now. You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. So two things that are kind of blowing up on our show site right now and also uh, on Twitter. Last night, so just before the show, and this is why I said if you were with us to start the show, well, you already know this, but if you were not with us three hours ago, uh, then you don't know this, you didn't hear it. Exactly four months from now, we will be talking about who just won the Super Bowl. Wednesday was October 12th. The Super Bowl is February 12th. You can do the math just like me. But it was kind of funny because I was watching the baseball playoffs. Don't ask me why all of a sudden it dawned on me that we were exactly four months. I think the 12th triggered. I most of the time don't have any idea what the date is. But the, I saw that it was the 12th. It triggered and it, it made me 
realize, wow, the Super Bowl is also on the 12th. And so we're exactly four months to the Super Bowl. We'll be breaking down the champion. And to that end, you should know, only three teams, no, sorry, only four teams have made the playoffs in the last three years. Only four out of 32 have been to the playoffs each of the last three years. That's how much turnover there is in the NFL. That's how often we think we know and we don't know. Can you tell me who they are? I bet you can. I'll just leave it dangling out there for a bit. Only four teams in the NFL have made the playoffs each of the last three years. And so even if you think you know who's going to win the Super Bowl right now, you don't know Jack. So that's one thing that we're seeing your responses to on our social media. The other has nothing to do with sports, and we like it that way sometimes. I heard this report, and then I looked up the article that was done on a study of Gen Zers, thousands of young people aged 16 to 29. I mean, 29 is not that young, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, 16 to 29 was the age group, which is... No longer Producer Jay. He's not a young person anymore. <laughs> well, technically, no. <laughs> technically. Do you still feel like a young person? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> this show will get, well, this show and this shift will make you old very quickly. Oh, it has. Get out while you still can is all I'm saying. I just don't, don't ever tell me I did not warn you to get out while you still can. This is why there have been, I don't know, nine or ten producers on this show. So I know, uh, actually, Producer Jay once told me in a moment where he wasn't really thinking straight that he better not still be on this show in five years. Oh, just admit it. Don't act like you didn't say it. I didn't ever... I did say that, but you took it so out of context and put so much emphasis on the better, which I did not say. What was the context exactly? I don't even remember. That was a while ago. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I would like to point out that producer Jay very clearly said to me that he better not still be doing this in five years. That's exactly what he said. So don't you worry. I will break up with him before he breaks up with me. It'll be fine. We'll kick him to the curb before he decides he's going to walk. Anyway. Give me the boot. Yeah, we're going to give him the boot because the show makes you old fast. So, uh, producer Jay is in the old category when it comes to this study of Gen Zers. Apparently, they find the thumbs-up emoji rude and passive-aggressive. Not just that. If you use the thumbs-up emoji, you are old and out of touch. Well, I'm happy to report I've never once in my life used the thumbs-up emoji because I think it's kind of dismissive myself. Not really rude, but I I don't like it. I think, think it's... I don't give people a thumbs up, so why would I send a thumbs up emoji? I don't give people the okay sign unless I'm being snarky, so why would I ever send it in a text message? But I do love emojis. People over 35, far more likely to use emojis. Oh, that's me. I love emojis, especially the animal emojis and the heart emojis. Anyway, I love the sports emojis. When I send people a happy happy birthday text, I use all kinds of party emojis. (laughs) I'm a total shill for the emojis. But there are 10 emojis, including the two I just listed. Excuse me. Very excited right now. There are two. Those are two of the 10. There are 10, according to Gen Zers, that they automatically think make you look old. One of them is the red heart emoji, which is my one of my absolute favorites. It's in my top three. 
So that's fine. I don't mind being branded old. I'm sure my nieces think I'm old too. They're in they're in the 16 to 29 category. Uh, it do, doesn't bother me. I'm good. Does but, Gen Z not love? I just don't get that one. Yeah, I don't either. But I also don't understand the poop emoji. I thought poop was universal. Like everyone loves yeah, poop. I thought that was a worldwide popular one. That's why they sell it in pillows and shirts. And you see, you always yeah. see the poop emoji all over the place. But now it's not cool because Gen Z says so. Mm, uh, seriously, no, not not cool. Just makes you look old oh, and out of touch. Well, yeah. Okay, so there is a list. The list is out there. Uh, There's a few that I've never used ever, but there are a few that I use all the time. I do like the monkey covering his eyes because I think that's funny. Uh, I never, ever would use the lipstick kiss mark because, ew. Uh, The loud crying face. Oh, I've definitely used that one. I think that's a little extra. Sometimes you need a little extra emotion. We're asking you, what are the three emojis that you use more than any other? Now, Marco Belletti swears he never uses emojis. If you're that person, well, (laughs) I'm impressed. I don't know how you can resist the urge to use a good emoji, a good emoji emphasis here and there. So I love them, and I haven't yet answered which are my top three, but I will. Or maybe I'll let Jay answer because he's the one that gets them all. (laughs) But that's our question for this edition of the show and on through your Thursday. Top three emojis that you use on Twitter, ALAW Radio, you can see the question we put out there and also on our Facebook page. Fine, we'll talk about sports now. Uh, it wasn't just the fact that the Atlanta Braves were able to scrape together three runs with two outs in the sixth inning against the Phillies last night. It wasn't just the fact that it was so atypical of Atlanta. They bashed the ball. This is what they do. They hit the snot out of the ball. Instead, against Zach Wheeler... They were facing two outs in a scoreless game. He hits Ronald Acuna. No doubt Acuna is going to be sore today. And after they checked him out for quite a long time, he decided to stay in the game. So Ronald Acuna hit by a pitch. Dansby Swanson draws a walk. And then there are three singles in a row. One that Reese Hoskins would like to have back. He believes he could have played it differently, fielded it cleanly, but he didn't off the bat of Matt Olson. And so three singles, and before you know it, with two outs, the Braves have scraped together. They've manufactured, oh, that's a good word. They've manufactured three runs. So for putting that aside, Kyle Wright, brilliant, even with a rain delay. Said he played on his phone during the rain delay. Tried to stay, I wonder if he was using emojis. Tried to stay loose. He allows just two hits over six innings. He strikes out six. Really, the Phillies never had a whole lot of anything going. Those two elements of the game played near perfectly by the defending World Series champions. But honestly, the defense was what lit up I shouldn't say lit me up. The defense is what lit up my living room because this is when I got really excited. 0-2 Terrell Muto. Popped up. Shallow left. Dansby out. Eddie in. And Dansby dives and makes a tremendous catch over the shoulder. Spectacular play by Dansby. How in the world did he do that? I don't know. He comes up all smiles. And somehow he squeezes out number three out in medium depth left center field. Amazing play. Pitch on the way. Popped up down the left field line towards foul territory. Riley back against the tarp. Holy smokes! Wow! What a catch! Austin Riley with a catch of his life. No way. No way he caught that. (laughs) That is incredible. 
over his shoulder onto the tarp, snow coning it, and then sliding down the front of the tarp. If you have not seen these amazing moments with Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley flashing the leather, sacrificing life and limb while they're on our show Twitter after our CBS, and they are dynamic. So, yes, love the fact that they figure it out a way to score three runs, which is atypical of the Braves. And, of course, Kyle Wright was dynamic, exactly what they needed coming off of that loss to the Phillies. And not just the loss in game one, but the way the Phillies jumped on them and jumped on Max Freed certainly gave the Phillies confidence. But the defense was dynamic, and I really enjoyed watching it, really enjoyed seeing those highlights over and over from a bunch of different angles. Yeah, Dansby's catch, which was unbelievable, and Austin's, too, on the tarp was, I said, they could be showing both of those for the next year. Um, they're just unbelievable plays. I was trying to throw a flag on myself because I feel like I made it look way harder than it needed to be. <laughs> um, I was running out there and I felt like maybe it was because it was a breaking ball, but it kind of like kept spinning away from me. And I slowed down just enough to check uh, Rosario to see uh, where he was so that we didn't, you know, have a collision. And once he just kind of looked at me like, hey, brother, it's yours or nobody's, I uh, just went for it. <laughs> it's all you. Uh, and, and practice, uh, should get my parents in here because they threw me a kajillion balls just like that, like all the time growing up over my head. And I was like the epitome of the kid that would throw a tennis ball off a wall and ricochet it and, you know, run and try and catch it over my shoulder. Um, Probably throw a lot of tennis balls onto the field, too, to disrupt my brother's baseball games. But uh, I feel like I've been doing that since I was, you know, five years old. Dansby Swanson is fun, so likable, a great personality for the Atlanta Braves. I think my favorite part is I kind of looked at the other guys who were converging so we didn't collide. And their facial expressions and their words were, hey, man, it's all you. You got this. That's It's all you. It's yours or nobody's. <laughs> As he's racing in from the racing out from the infield and the way he tumbles and yeah, definitely get some style points for that. So it was the defense. It was the pitching, even Kenley Jansen getting his first save of this postseason. Uh, and it was obviously the way that they adjusted to, to the Phillies to be able to scrape together a few runs. So we now have a tie series between the Phillies and the Braves. We also have a tie series between the Dodgers and the Padres and this was interesting. Now, I'm not blaming anyone for anything. Just always, I think, fascinating the way that some of these decisions work out. Initially, both you Darvish and Clayton Kershaw gave up some big hits, some loud hits. As I mentioned, Manny Machado, before the game was 12 pitches old, had already belted a solo shot off Clayton Kershaw. The game's tied at three. Clayton has just gone back-to-back one, two, three innings. The only time that he went one, two, three in the fourth and in the fifth. And he didn't really have his curveball working. Oh my gosh. He struck out a guy. I don't remember who it was. Struck out a guy on a curveball that bounced four feet in front of the plate. Did you see that, Producer Jay? Were you listening to the radio at that point? Yeah, I was listening on the radio. Bounced at least four feet in front of the plate. Hysterical. Um, but his curveball just wasn't the same command as he normally has. So he was out after the fifth. And as the bullpen takes over, then the Padres are able to come up with the tying runs and give the Padres defense some credit as well. Give the Padres bullpen the credit as well. Because multiple times in the sixth and in the seventh 
And again, in the eighth, when Josh Hader was called on, the Padres were able to escape the Dodgers coming up with that big inning. Runners lead at first and second. Two down in the bottom of the eighth. Here's the 0-1 pitch. Barnes swings, hits it in the air. Center field playable. Grisham drifting back. A little bit towards right center. And just in front of the warning track, he makes the catch and ends the inning. No runs, a hit, and the Dodgers leave a pair. And it wasn't just then. They left 10 runners on base. The Dodgers go over eight with runners in scoring position. So to that end, there were a lot of missed opportunities for the Dodgers, even as they now had to head to San Diego and Petco Park for game number three. There were a couple opportunities, two innings back-to-back, that we had an opportunity situationally to push a run across to tie the game, uh, let alone potentially take the lead, and we couldn't do that. We knew it coming in, you know, if we tie the series here and, and play, you know, going to play two at home with a series tie is gonna, it's going, it's going to be huge, you know. So we, we felt it, we felt it, and, and, you know, we did everything possible to, to win the game. So we've got to wait until Friday for game number three. Uh, but I, I've said this before. It fascinates me to see these matchups, the divisional battles uh, in these playoff series, because you can take out the unfamiliarity with ballpark, unfamiliarity with pitchers. You can take out the intimidation factor or not being used to these massive crowds. I mean, the Padres have been to Dodger Stadium so many times that that aura, that epic atmosphere with all the history and with the the loud fans, that doesn't phase them because they've been there before. Um, They understand what's at stake and, and how it goes at Dodger Stadium. So we've got two tie series in the National League. And then the American League coming up on, is it Thursday? Coming up on Thursday. (laughs) See what I mean? I know the date, maybe once a week. I very rarely get the days right, though. We're hearing from you on Twitter. It's not like I can read your tweets back because I can't read what you're sending me in emojis. It just, it wouldn't be great radio. In fact, all of you would stop listening immediately, if not sooner. Uh, But I am, we are retweeting, and I am highly entertained by the emojis that you use on a regular basis. Some of these I've never seen before. And if any of you send me the middle finger emoji, that's it. You're banned for life. (laughs) Could you imagine that being one of your top three? (laughs) Yeah, probably actually. Really? I wouldn't. Do you have, do you have, you don't even know that there is one. Of course there is. I see it on social all the time. What are your top three, Jay? Probably the eyeballs. When like oh, you the looking the ones, where it's like something's kind of odd or curious or exciting. It can mean so many different things. Mm. So I like that it's one. It's functional. Yeah, it's a very very versatile emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the fire, the flames. Oh yes, that one's all about good. the fire. And my third one, I don't know. There's so many. I feel like I could use on a regular basis. Those two definitely are the top two. Maybe like the. The, the the perfect, which apparently they said is not cool, but I do like to use No, no, that it one. means you're old and out of touch. It has right. nothing to do with being cool. Well, I mean, that same thing, right? I, if a 16-year-old thinks you're uncool, I kind of feel like you're on the right track. Yeah, you're I, not I supposed that. to be cool to a 16-year-old if, you're, if you've got your life together. You're, I mean. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yes. Okay. So those are Jay's emojis, and only one of them would indicate that he's old and out of touch. That's the... He thinks oh. it's a... Perfect emoji. I think it's the okay sign. I think, yeah, I call it perfect. Okay, that works too. But I think I thought of one I use more, the upside down face. Oh, you do love the upside down down face. face. Also has many meanings and can be interpreted in many different ways. All right, before the end of the show, 
I actually feel like I should make Jay answer the question of which are my top three emojis. I think I could come pretty close. Give it a good shot. Probably. Poor Jay. He's subjected to emoji assault on a daily basis. Can that be a new thing? Emoji assault? We need a feature called emoji assault of the emojis. Emoji assault. Yes, there are times when my mother just gets nutso and sends me four lines of animal emojis because she thinks they're cute. Like, oh, gosh. Okay. Yep, those are animals. <laughs> I know she loves them. I never have use for the cowboy hat emoji, but I do like it. I didn't even know there was one of those either. Yeah, in just I don't have any friends who it, would, it wouldn't work with you or any of my other friends. What if you were like, want to go to a rodeo this weekend? Cowboy and, hat. And there all, you go. And, <laughs> yeah, but... Yes, exactly my point. Uh, I really like to use the clown emoji too, but I also don't have many instances when I can use it. So it's rare, but I think it does also pack a wallet. It does. That's, that's If you get hit with the clown emoji, it's hard to come back Ooh, from that. I want to call someone a clown emoji today. I'm going to assault someone with a clown emoji. Emoji assault. got to be careful with that. Is that against the law? It, it might, might be. It might yet, be. But... Today at age, it could, it, today's age, it could be soon. All right, on Twitter, on Facebook, we're glad to have you with us. Thanks so much for hanging out. We still have uh, some more QB news to get to, the NFC version, as we launch forward into week number six. Uh, But also, here's the dealio, yo. There are more people talking about the roughing the passer penalties. We got more quarterbacks weighing in. Oh, even Cam Jordan, who made the Saints PR very unhappy. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, this is Matt Spiegel, and on my podcast, The PBP, Voices of Baseball, we learn how the best broadcasters in the game, like the Reds' John Sadak, try to capture the greatness of the best players, like Ellie Dela Cruz. He's a video game character. I mean, he is so athletic, and I think each moment is its own living entity, and I try to just match whatever that moment is. The PBP, Voices of Baseball. We bring you the people who bring you the game. Find us on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Shotgun snap, dropping back, moves up, hit as he throws, down he goes, and he was brought down and sacked by Chris Jones. Flag thrown on the play, back at the 38. Roughing the passer, number 97, defense, 15-yard penalty. I think he meant 95. I believe right? he yeah. meant 95 too. This was just one of those. It was just a football play. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to know what a defensive guy's doing. He's just trying to get to the football and bring the quarterback down and just happens to run through him. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner on Monday Night Football. Westwood won, and just so you know, I've put in an official request for Kurt Warner following next week's Monday Night Football game, which will be taking place in L.A. I don't know if we'll get him, but I do know that the last time we had him, uh, which was actually two years now, was the highlight of my 2020. The last time we had him, it was after a Monday Night Football game in L.A., so I'm hoping that we can go two for two because I would like to hear his perspective as a Hall of Fame quarterback. I hear him on Westwood One. I know he believes that the field has been tilted so largely in favor of the offense. Um, And certainly when you're the NFL and you're hearing some of your highest profile voices, some of your most respected voices, some of your most followed voices 
on social media. When you're hearing them criticize, well, of course, then you stand up and take notice. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. It continued with the quarterback speaking out on Wednesday as they normally do heading into the start of a brand new week. More and more, we're having people who are feeling bolder inside the NFL fraternity to speak about what's become so confusing and really not uniform across the board with these roughing the passer calls. Now, we'll get to Josh Allen here in a second, but producer Jay discovered that... The Saints PR, so the Saints media team, and I don't know who that is or how many people they have working on it. They actually removed this cut from Cam Jordan off of the the press conference video that they posted on YouTube. So a lot of times after all the, the media availability, they'll throw it up whole. They just they take the whole thing. They're recording it, the whole thing on camera, and the media team will then throw it up on YouTube so that fans can watch it and other media have access to it. Well, <laughs> apparently, they were not thrilled with what Kim Jordan had to say about how you're supposed to sack a quarterback these days, and it actually got removed from their YouTube video. But, alas, it was already out there, and Jay found it. I don't know. After uh, this put last week's penalties that were being thrown, I think you have to. Uh, I, I told him I think you have to put a pillow down, uh, read him a bedtime story, ask him if it's okay for him to lay down on the ground first. Um, so I don't know. I think that's something that we have to we have to address. So how would you address it? I'll bring a blanket with me, <laughs> um, and I'll keep it, and I'll be able to place it before I put him on the ground. I'll ever so gently, you know, um, caress. Him to him sing on a lullaby. I don't know. Look, we'll have to deal with it just like we've dealt with it the last couple of years. They're getting, it looks like they're getting more egregious with it. Sarcasm is my love language, so that works just fine for me. The snarkiness and the sarcasm of Cam Jordan. Maybe that's why the Saints removed it from their YouTube video. So Jay tells me he listens to the entire four minutes with Cam Jordan and can't find it anywhere. Yeah, because I see like the quote and I'm watching the same video that, you know, his pro in front of his locker room video. And it was just a four minute video. I listened to the whole thing like four times. I'm like, where did I miss this? And then <laughs> they took it out. They removed it from the video. So where did you end up finding it then? I just found it on Twitter. Actually, of course. Just from a yes. chunk. Yeah. <laughs> so Cam Jordan would bring a pillow and he would sing him a lullaby and he would cover him with a blanket and he would gently caress them to the ground. Maybe the saints were the saints media team were uncomfortable with that image or the fact that he was being highly sarcastic and snarky. I kind of like it. His point is only that we protect them, quarterbacks, in the NFL far more than any other position, which we, we've we known to be true, and he mentions the last couple of years, but that it's becoming ridiculous where you can't even tackle a guy. I think it's frustrating, and that's just coming from someone who watches the game. I can't imagine trying to adjust to all the rule changes uh, when you're not the one uh, when you're the one who's out there and you're you're the one whose job it is, you keep or lose jobs based on how well you get to the quarterback. And it, it's got to be so frustrating when you don't know from game to game or week to week if a flag will be thrown. Here's Josh Allen weighing in on these roughing the passer calls. There's a lot of variables, I think, that go into it. There's a lot of other things that are, that are just so arbitrary call, arbitrarily called um, personal fouls uh, unnecessary roughnesses the unsportsmanlike conducts um, 
you know, you can talk about holding too. I mean, there's going to be some that are missed and some that are called that aren't it, or, you know, they missed one here or there. And, um, there's just a lot of variables and, you know, these refs are doing the best that they can given, given the rules. Um, so I don't, I don't have an answer, uh, really to that other than it's, it's tough to be out there sometimes. And, you know, these, these guys on the field now are so big and so fast and they, they hit extremely hard that sometimes it looks a lot worse than it actually is. And, uh, to the naked eye, sometimes it's, it's a hard difference to tell whether he's got him in the face mask or got him in his shoulder. So if it's a review process, who knows? But again, then you're going to get into that territory of, you know, holding. Are we going to start challenging holding calls? Are we going to start challenging unsportsmanlike conduct calls? Um, so again, you can take it one of two ways. And, um, but again, I think you just got to let them play sometimes. And, and um, yeah, it's football. I appreciate that he brings up the the subjective nature of the calls and the fact that if you're going to open up Pandora's box, essentially, or open up that can of worms, whichever metaphor you prefer, I've never had a can of worms that I've opened up. Um, I've seen it, never done it. Well, then what about the other subjective calls? What about the other judgment calls? We're not going to stop the game every five seconds, or it wouldn't be great to stop the game every five seconds to replay every single judgment call. And remember, we just tried this, and by we, I mean the NFL. The NFL just tried this a few years ago with pass interference, and it went so horribly wrong, and it was such an unmitigated disaster, it was gone after one year. And I know they were it was a trial basis, but they essentially left pass interference calls open for review. It was, it was not the right move. And it was a knee-jerk reaction to what had happened in the NFC Championship with the missed P.I. on Nikel Roby Coleman late against, or it was, it was Rams Saints late in the Superdome. So I, I understand why you can't just open them all up for review. At the same time, I do think there's something to be said for having the crew on site be able to look at a video and decide, hey, is that actually something we want to call? Maybe we want to pick up the flag. It happens in other sports. In basketball, a call can be made on the court, and the referees will confer together, and they'll change the call. In baseball, too, where they, they'll actually change a call. And it's not always because it's challenged, but they'll change it. If they get together, they have a conversation. One guy sees it one way. One guy sees it another. So in the case of pass interference, maybe that's the thing. You go and you watch it on video. They're on site. Don't send it to New York. But allow it to be one that you look at because of the speed and because of the power and the skill of these players. It's happening so fast. You want to get it right because these are huge calls. As much as they penalize players for roughing the passer, you want to get it right. And obviously, the NFL does not love this criticism. All right, you can find us on Twitter, A Law Radio, or After Hours CBS. Uh, also on our Facebook page. <laughs> the emojis are killing me. I knew we were going to get a middle finger emoji. I knew it. I had to. I had to mute that. We cannot have middle finger emojis on our Facebook page where we might have kids looking. I mean, kids would love this, right? <laughs> Apparently, they don't like the poop one. And I thought they did. So, you are listening to the After Hours podcast. Hurry back to throw, and it is. Is it tossed? Oh, my goodness, it's tossed. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center, steps back, throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, L.A. Burrow back to throw, looking, firing deep Go. for Chase in the end zone. Oh, He's 
Rodgers for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. And off to Eckler again. No, Herbert keeps it. End zone. Touchdown, Chargers. Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap. Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. Even as I am still contemplating my survivor pick, I've never made it past week six. But to make it past week six, I have to survive week six. So I'm still thinking about it. Yes, AFC version of QB news. And still the health of Tua Tango-Valoa for the Miami Dolphins is the number one topic uh, around the AFC East and in that uh, division, yes, but also th- the way they started out and now having their top two quarterbacks in concussion protocol. Really good to hear Mike McDaniel say that Tua is at least back at practice. In these situations, you um, are relying on all medical advice and where what what people can do and what I've been told is he can uh, go out and, and throw and do some individual work. So that that's exciting for everybody just because, you know, really – we just miss his personality. You know, he's he's a guy that um, we rely on, um, that, not to mention all of his play and all that stuff. He hasn't done a thing on the football field for literally two weeks. So um, I don't think that that wouldn't be fair to the player. That wouldn't be fair to the team. I don't feel comfortable um, putting him in that situation. So no matter what happens, he is not playing this week, and I I assume that Teddy Bridgewater is still in concussion protocol, even though the last we knew he'd had no symptoms at all. The rookie, Skylar Thompson, makes his first NFL start. It's exciting. I mean, it's a dream come true. Um, something that, you know, I've worked for my whole life. But, you know, th- there's, a, there's a ton that goes into that. Um, and, um, you know, I, I didn't get here just, you know, by myself. And there's a lot of people that have contributed to help me get to where I am today. Um, my family my my past coaches my current coaches my current teammates teddy and tua um you know there's there's a handful of people that have helped me get to this spot and i'm not the type of person to to point the finger at me and i did it by myself and all that type of stuff that's not the case at all so um, i'm very grateful for this opportunity and uh, i'm super excited to go to work today and, and have this opportunity in front of me miami hosting minnesota on sunday raise your hand if you thought in week six we'd have two rookie quarterbacks starting in the afc east The Patriots, obviously, are moving in the general direction of Bailey Zappi starting. And apparently, there's been all kinds of people using social media, chanting it, yada, 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 about Zappi fever. So at the press conference on Wednesday, the Patriots rookie was asked whether or not he's heard people talking or heard the references to Zappi fever. Nope, I have not. You're smiling. I've... I guess I've heard a little bit of it, but I I mean, I haven't dove into any of that. Um, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. I'm just focused on what's going on right now, and that's the Browns. Because that would be anti-Bill Belichick. David Andrews is the center in front of whoever the quarterback is for the New England Patriots, and he actually believes that if Mac Jones is ready, they're going to put him out there. You're a competitor. He's a great competitor. You want to go play. You know, we just don't do this to – come out here and full pad practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you know, it's, you want to play. That's what you want to do. And um, so, you know, that's always tough in those positions. But, you know, I think he's done a great job. You know, he's he's been a tough guy for us and all, you know, his time here. And, uh, 
you know, you know he's doing everything he can to try to get back out there. Bill Belichick is playing everything so close to the best. Remember day by day. Well, that wasn't his phrase on Wednesday, but he was asked about the similarities between Bailey and Mac. Both right-handed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why do they even bother? Why do they even bother? They're what do not, I look like? They're not going to get anything from Bill Belichick. At some point, can you just stop asking him questions? We don't have time for that. Maybe we can ghost Bill Belichick and see if that works any better. See if he misses it. It's after hours on CBS Sports Day Radio. <laughs> stop it! Jacoby Brissett used to be a Patriot. Now he's the starter for the Cleveland Browns as the Patriots face the Browns this weekend. So if you know Belichick, well, then you know he's the mastermind behind the defense for the most part. So, Jacoby, are you preparing more for your former coach? He's been doing it too long for me to prepare for him. It's more so, obviously, the system and then the guys that are playing, you know, uh, because they're out there doing it. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's the focus. It's just focusing on the team. Obviously, he's the coach. He's running the show, but uh, definitely focusing on the team. So, Patriots at the Browns. That's one of the games I thought about for my survivor pick, but I don't know, Cleveland. I'm not sure I trust you yet. Sorry. I guess you can send me strongly worded uh, emails and texts and tweets with emojis if you like. Uh, Pittsburgh gets another opportunity with Kenny Pickett as their starting quarterback. Think about all these rookie QBs. But for the Steelers, they're hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So it's Kenny Pickett's first opportunity to line up across the field from Tom Brady. It's another, you know, another great opportunity, but I'm going against the defense. You know, our defense will, will, will handle yes. business on that side. I got to worry about our job, you know, on the offensive side. We got to put up points against a great defense. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. Do I go with Tampa Bay, Jay? Don't give me a thumbs up emoji. Do I go with Tampa I, I Bay? So. Oh, right now, gosh. yes. It's nerve wracking. It's not the first time Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been on the same field. It's certainly not going to be the last time. We are so excited. Both these teams, four and one. This is the monster matchup on Sunday. Josh Allen against the, well, Josh Allen and the Bills against the Chiefs. I know everybody in the media is going to make a big deal of, oh, of yes. it, but as it's, players, yes. you know, it really is just our next game on our schedule. It's the biggest one we're playing because it is the next one. Uh-huh. Nothing that we did last year carries right. over this year. So um, we just got to go out there again into a hostile environment. We know how their <laughs> crowd is. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic um, place to play in. It's a... Uh, it's one of the special places you can play in in the league, for sure. So um, looking forward to the challenge. And again, it's, a, it's a, a really good team that we're about to go play. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have a friendship off the field, but obvi that falls by the wayside come Sunday. When you go up against uh, the other great quarterbacks in the league, you always want to win. You always want to compete. Um, Josh is a great guy. I mean, he's a great quarterback, uh, physically talented, can throw, can run, can really do it all. Um, but he's a, he's a great dude too, and so uh, obviously when we're on the football field, we were competing against each other, and we want to we want to beat beat each other's teams. Um, but I have a ton of respect for him and the player and person that he is. Ooh, Arrowhead Stadium! This is going to be fantastic. Absolutely cannot wait. And it's a 4:25 Eastern time start, 3:25 Kansas City time on CBS. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Not sure if you heard the story about how the Dolphins captains have removed their ping pong tables from the locker room because they don't like how the Dolphins are are playing right now. So that's uh, something kind of on the fringe. And yes, this time in exactly four months, we will be talking about the Super Bowl winner. 
Will it be the Chiefs? Will it be the Bills? Will it be some team that we never saw coming? I'm voting for the latter. All right, so you're blowing up our social media now with the three emojis that you use more than any others. And, of course, that means we're old. Totally fine. Uh, just kidding. That's that's what the Gen Zers think, that your emojis can reveal if you're old and out of touch. So, Jay, what do my emojis reveal about me? Don't Never mind. Don't answer that question. What three emojis do I use the most? Because I feel like between you and my mom, uh, you get the you get the brunt of my emoji assault. My first one I'm going to say is the stars in their eyes emoji. Oh, yes. yeah. I love that one. I it's know. so functional. Second one, I think like me, you're a fan of the upside down face. I do like the upside down face because it's it's a little bit, uh, it's playful. I like playful. And third, I, I, you mentioned it and I think it might be in the top three, the, the, the red heart. Oh, yes. It's got to be, right? What's wrong with love? What's wrong with loving thing? What's what's, what's wrong with like having with a heart? <laughs> did you did you just drop a Tina Turner line I on me? What a, Jay does wish he grew up in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> I love emojis. I'm never changing. I don't care if that means I'm old. We'll talk to you tonight after baseball and football. It's after hours CBS Sports Radio. Boom.